basketball tournament and this is the one weekend that I really look forward to watching the first two days exciting yeah but this year it wasn't it wasn't real dramatic so my bracket has survived I'm 28 and 4 after 32 games with all sweet 16 teams still alive so it's been a very long time since I've made it out of the first round or we say second round now without losing a sweet 16 team uh, it's very difficult to make it out of that first two days without losing an Elite Eight team, and sometimes you may even drop a Final Four team that, that first two days, and it's it paralyzes your bracket. But in in Sports Talk right now, we have a shootout going on with the – I mean, we have a good bracket, some people. We have Shane Stone that got 30 out of 32. He did lose one Sweet 16. I'm in second place, tied with Jonathan right now. We both 28 and four, which is <laughs> remarkable. Uh, Brian Reeves and Quinn Thomas with 27, tied for fourth place. Then we have Sonny Clark, Dustin Porterfield, Zach Moody with 25 correct. I mean, if you think about that, that's that's about nine, eight or nine people right there with 25 or better. That's that's amazing. Everett Prots with 23. That's okay. Michael Cowart with 23. Andrew Musgrave with 22. Jason Humphrey leading the bottom with, uh, excuse me, 21, I believe. Yes, 21. But, again, it's anybody's match right now. Just because you lead after two days doesn't mean anything. You have to keep intact your final four from here on out, and you've got a good shot. Just to give you an idea of who who weigh in sports talk, all the guests that picked uh, Shane Stone picked North Carolina to win it all. I picked Kansas. Jonathan, Florida State, surprise, surprise. Brian Reeves, Duke. Quinn Thomas, Duke. Sonny Clark, Dustin Porterfield, Kentucky. Zach Moody, Villanova. Everett Pratt, Arizona. Michael Cowart, North Carolina. Andrew Musgrave, Gonzaga. And Kentucky for Jason Humphrey. Well, Kentucky and Duke are the popular picks. Nobody picked Kansas at me, which is kind of surprising. Kind of surprising, if you want to be honest. It's I thought Kansas, to me, watching them play. Uh, I mean, yeah, they struggled sometimes during the season, but I think they've, they've been the most consistent to me. Right now, on West Virginia and Notre Dame playing each other, a lot of people have Notre Dame going as far as the Elite Eight Final Four, but not me. I have West Virginia knocking them out of this game. You look at the athleticism of West Virginia compared to Notre Dame, it's no question who's the better team, but anything can happen on any day. Foul trouble, injuries, just having a cold hand. There's a three-point play for West Virginia to go up 17-11, waiting on the free throw. Just a great tournament so far. Again, no surprises. No, nothing just blew your mind. And sometimes that's how I like it because I want to see the best teams play. I want to see the best teams play. And, you know, I want – Today, tomorrow, we're going to have a lot of a lot of things going on in basketball, and you really want to see 
some sucky team playing Kansas or Kentucky. No, you want to this round starting today and tomorrow. It's a it's a round where you got to survive. You have to make it pass because these are the after that first game. I think some teams let their guard down, and I think they get beat. And there's some teams we'll talk about today right now that could easily go down. I mean Gonzaga, Villanova, Kentucky. All these teams are are vulnerable to to losing this weekend. First round, no, not so much. But now the parity of basketball has shifted, and now we're we're down to 32 teams, and that's where the parity is. There's 32 teams. I think anybody could just pull one out, you know, and Middle Tennessee is a good team. Um, You know, you just keep looking around on and on. If somebody gets hot one day with a three-pointer the way it is in today's basketball, people can win. You get hot, you can just beat anybody, and that's what it takes. Right now, West Virginia up 20-11 to on Notre Dame, the only game going on right now. We will preview the games to come. We'll also go over the tournament once Jonathan gets in. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on air, and we missed you. Life's been busy. So I hope you enjoy today's show. This is kind of sentimental to me. You know, five years ago, we started this show. Everett Prods and I started this show, and it was about college basketball. And Kentucky that year won the championship, I believe. It was Kentucky, and they won. They had a, a real good team that year, and they were just so good on defense. Nothing like the Kentucky of today. I watched Kentucky last night. They just didn't look good. I mean, you've only beat Northern Kentucky by like eight or nine points. That's not that's not what you want. I mean, you, you want to come out and dominate teams, and it kind of scared me about Kentucky. Yes, I have them making a Final Four run, but am I probably wrong? Yeah. I mean, just after watching them last night, they just don't have the point guard that they need. They don't have – just the dominant inside presence that you need to win in college basketball. You've got to have a point guard and a big man. You've got to play defense consistently for 40 minutes, and it's just hard to get a bunch of freshmen and underclassmen to play defense. That's the biggest knock on them. You look at Auburn this year. Four freshmen, they couldn't play defense. They saved, they saved their life. And it's just something I think you grow and mature, and the, the more you know about basketball, the more you, you realize it's a team game and defense. But right now, tournament summary, ACC is 6-3. and three. The Big 12 is 5-2. and two. We're going to find out who the best conference is. The SEC, what are they, like 3-1, and one, something like that. Um, maybe 4-1, and one, I can't remember. I'll have to look at the bracket. But I picked, I picked uh, a lot of good games yesterday, but I picked against an SEC team in South Carolina and I was wrong because I just it's hard for me to pick SEC teams, especially after watching the NIT, watching Bama, Georgia and all these teams just lose to nobodies. So I do I do put a lot of stock in the ACC conference and it's just the way it goes. It's just the best brand of basketball out there. I wonder where old Jonathan is. Is he still asleep today? Where is Jason? I know he's on the West Coast and Quinn, he's watching Notre Dame play right now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send Jonathan a message because you know it's a team for here. So hopefully he'll wake his you know what up and get up here and play. So it's 24-15 right now. West Virginia over Notre Dame with 8:10 left. It just I mean watching this game, you can tell who the better team is. 
you can just tell. I mean, you don't have to look at the coaches. You don't have to look at the score. If you just watch these two teams go up and down the court, Notre Dame is the wrong type of players. I mean, they're just not as athletic. They have a couple athletes, but West Virginia is a team that can make a Final Four run. That's how good they are. And they have all the components, all the keys you need to be able to make a Final Four run. Notre Dame, not so much. Yeah, they made the Sweet 16 the last couple of years, but they turned the ball over. And this bottom line is they're not as athletic. They're not as athletic as West Virginia. And when you get in these games, it's matchups. And people wonder, Jonathan even said, you know, the the committee gets the seating wrong in, because because a team was favored over a team. Say a, say a 12 seed was favored over a five. Well, it doesn't mean – you know, throughout the year, they deserve to be a five, but it, it means that matchup is bad. And, and when Vegas puts a 12 seed favored over a five, it usually means a 12 seed is going to win because there's a mismatch that a lot of people don't know about unless you really study and watch basketball. So your regular Joe is going to come in and say, well, on my bracket or, or whoever I'm betting on, I'm going to take the best team. And that doesn't always work out. And that's what makes March Madness so fun. It's a game of matchups. It's a game of matchups. So I'm pulling up the bracket right now, and it's just been, you know, 28 and four for me is it's tough to beat that. I don't care who you are, and but today we've got some great games going on. I mean, this is the like I said before, this is the round that you live for right here. You got to survive. It's so hard to get to the Sweet 16. I think once these real good teams get to the Sweet 16, then they can kind of settle in. The coaches have two days. You know, you can prep for two games in a week. But I just think it's so hard sometimes. People like Villanova and Gonzaga, those teams right there I think are vulnerable. They could easily get knocked off. If, if you don't think Arkansas can beat North Carolina, you're crazy. And you you look at the two-seed Kentucky, if you don't think Wichita State can beat Kentucky and they don't have revenge on their mind, then you're, you're insane. It's college basketball, and this round's forward. Anybody can beat anybody. And I don't. You can say what you want. You can say this and that. But the first round was a snooze fest. It, there wasn't many surprises. I mean, SMU lost to USC. I lost that game. I picked Marquette over South Carolina because they're SEC. I picked Vanderbilt over Northwestern because I thought Vanderbilt was a better team. And I thought Miami was better than Michigan State. How stupid do I have to be? to pick against Tom Izzo in the NCAA tournament. That's That should be rule number one. Leave Tom Izzo alone because he knows how to get it done. He's a winner. So that's the games I lost. And, and I still kept intact. It didn't matter that I lost those games because I never had a team make it past that. I don't think many people did. I don't think many people had Michigan State beating Kansas. Okay? I don't think many people had – USC beating Baylor. I don't think many people had South Carolina beating Duke. And I don't think many people had Northwestern beating Gonzaga. So I think I'm good. What hurts is when you lose a a game like that and another person in your bracket that's close has that team going on several rounds. That's where you can lose a lot of ground and a lot of points in the brackets. But, again, the host of this – I haven't lost a bracket in a long time, and Jonathan and I are tied right now, 28-4. and Shane Stone, 30-2. I just think he, he got lucky is why he got. So we'll see how he he goes down the stretch. He'll go from one to eight real quick if the day doesn't go his way. 
and a lot of people like Quinn, you know, at least at least Quinn knows basketball. It was a lot of people like Quinn will come in there and and catch up with him. If I look at Quinn's Sweet 16, he's got uh, Villanova, Virginia. He's got he had SMU and Duke, Gonzaga, Notre Dame. Of course, he's got Notre Dame going all the way to the Elite Eight. If they lose the days, he's going to be in trouble. And he's got Florida State, Arizona. So do I. He has UCLA, Kentucky. So do I. North Carolina, Butler. I have North Carolina, Middle Tennessee. He has Oregon, Louisville. And he has Kansas, Purdue. That's a good bracket, Quinn. And his final four, uh, Duke, Arizona, Kansas, North Carolina. Very good final four. He has a chance. So, Quinn, you just have to keep hoping your teams work out because there's a lot going on. And just because you're in first place today doesn't mean you'll be in first place tonight. So that's what I loved. And uh, Patino said something yesterday. It was a reporter mistaken for a sideline spy. And uh, does anybody know about that? You can call in 646-716-5564. Patino said one of his players mistakenly thought a CBS sideline reporter was still in place Friday for Jacksonville State when she was near the huddle. Uh, this is a very inexperienced team, Patino said. Uh, we're down to scholarship, down to we're down to two scholarships. Our backcourt is a little thin. Uh, Wilson said via Twitter that she found Patino, Patino's assertion humorous, though the coach was not joking, according to a Louisville spokesman. They thought she was giving it to the other team. Patino said, "I know she's not doing that. No, it wasn't him." So, I don't know. Patino's already starting to make excuses. Jacksonville State. Should have beaten them yesterday. They, they played well enough to win in that first half. So, Patino's always looking for an excuse. He's a great coach. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but the guy, he cries a lot. And the only way you can hear him cry is, is when you listen to the Louisville press conferences. You have to go listen to it. And he's a little more open and, and cry babyish during that. But uh, it's just it's just funny to hear Rick Patino. But I'm just worried everybody out there that pick Kentucky. I am worried. Tell me I'm tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I shouldn't worry. But this Kentucky team just still to me doesn't have the identity. They can beat anybody in the country. I get that. I know that. But the problem is is putting it together game after game. They've won like twelve in a row, but they played in the SEC, which kind of devalues that a little bit. I just look at them and to beat Wichita State, they're going to have to play a very good ball game. Wichita State is no is no easy team. I mean, they're they're a good basketball team. They're not as good as that year, of course, when they were the one seed and Kentucky came in as the eighth seed and get them in the second round. It's kind of payback for them because Kentucky is a two seed, not a one, but it's kind of similar situations. You know, Kentucky got screwed. If you look at this bracket, I mean, Kentucky – even in that year, they got screwed when they were when they were the eighth seed. But you look at Kentucky's bracket. You got North Carolina, Arkansas. You got Butler. You got UCLA. You got Wichita State and Kentucky. So that's tough. I mean, if if, if Kentucky beats Wichita State, guess what? They got to play UCLA or Cincinnati. That's going to be a tough game. If they win that, they're going to have to play. Probably North Carolina. North Carolina's got the easiest road to me. They beat Texas Southern. They're probably going to beat Arkansas, and then they got to play the winner of Middle Tennessee and Butler. I mean, 
really? North Carolina got a cakewalk. And if you look at Kansas, supposed to be the number one overall seed, they get Louisville at number two, Oregon at number three, Purdue at number four, Iowa State at five. You've got Michigan and Michigan State in here. So it's it's not easy for Kansas. And then if you think about Villanova's, they got Duke in there. They've got uh, Florida, Wisconsin. I mean, that's a pretty easy bracket. The East is, but the West is is pretty loaded. You got Gonzaga, you got Arizona, Florida State's a team that they can't win on the road, but they can sure win in a neutral site. West Virginia is a team, like I said earlier, can make it all the way to the Final Four. Xavier. I mean, there's some Roman Notre Dame. There's some good teams in here. And I think if West Virginia can survive today, I think they're going to make it pretty far in this tournament. I just wish I'd have picked them more to go out because the more I watch them play, the better they're getting. Right now, if they win, they'll play Gonzaga or or Northwestern, probably going to be Gonzaga in a Sweet 16. And Huggins is a great coach at preparation. So you give him a week to prepare for a team. He's going to – He's going to do very well. Gonzaga's good, but they're they could easily lose that game. They're not exactly as good as what everybody thinks, or I'm being deceived. One, so we're still waiting on Jonathan to come in, finding the hundred dollars for being late. If you want to call in and talk to me, six four six seven one six five five six four Notre Dame. Cut it to five with five minutes left in the first half. See, that's the thing about Notre Dame. You got to if you get on them. West Virginia went up 10 nothing. You've got to squash them. You can't wait around. You can't wait around and see what they're going to do because they're going to come back on you. But I wanted to go through real quick my my final four or my team. You can so you can listen or my elite eight. Let's start. We'll we'll go with the Sweet 16 first. My Sweet 16. I have Villanova, Duke, Gonzaga, Arizona, and then. So there's eight of them. I have Kentucky, UCLA, Middle Tennessee, North Carolina, Oregon, Louisville, Kansas, Purdue. Now to get to the Elite Eight, I have Kansas uh, playing Oregon. I have North Carolina playing Kentucky. I have Gonzaga playing Arizona. And I have Villanova playing Duke. Final four, Duke, Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, with Duke and Kansas meeting up in the national championship game with Kansas getting past them. So that would be a great Final Four. There's some other scenarios out there. I didn't fill out several brackets this year. I did one. So there's no saying, well, on this bracket I did this and that one. I know people that do that. They fill out ten brackets differently, and then they pick ten different national champions, and then they pull out their, their best bracket at the end of it. No. You get one bracket, that's it. And if you play for money and you have several brackets, make them the same. That's my that's my rule. I don't like these people that enter 10 brackets and then brag about it, how good they were. So I don't like that BS to me. So I'm, I'm one of those guys that here it is. I think Kansas is the best team in basketball and will or will be the best team in basketball when it comes to that time. They're just very well coached, and I think they're due. They have enough talent on that team to beat anybody. You saw them go to a rough arena and win, beat Kentucky at night there. It's tough to do. Uh, with that crowd and with their pedigree just to go on the road and win. Kansas is a team that, you know, they lost to, I think it was Kansas State or TCU um, in the tournament game. They lost to them in the regular season. I, I just think Kansas 
probably needed a break. I think they needed a break and they took some time off to, to get ready for this tournament because, you know, losing the first round of your tournament and you don't even go down, you're still the number one overall seed. That made me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, but Duke is the favorite, according to Vegas, to, to win it all, which kind of shows you about the committee again. I think Duke needed to be a number one seed over North Carolina, especially since Duke beat them two out of three times and won the tournament, beat them, you know, to take the ACC championship game. And I get you look at the entire body of work, but it is what have you done for me lately. Duke's a very hot team right now. You don't want to play it. And North Carolina just didn't impress me, but how did they get a number one seed? That's the the question that you have to ask yourself. Why? And it's, it's politics. I mean, North Carolina, they needed them to be a number one right now to cause some confusion, debate, and to make it sweeter when Duke does make it all the way. But there's a lot going on, a lot of games today to be played. I'm trying to pull it up. My system's a little slow, but we'll talk about some of these games that's coming on today. NBA, we don't really care about. We will talk about Golden State after a while. Like I said, West Virginia and Notre Dame now at 2.40 Eastern time. All times I... I mentioned our Eastern Villanova playing Wisconsin on CBS. Villanova's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And then we've got Virginia, Florida. Florida's a slight favorite. I do not think they'll beat Virginia. Xavier, Florida State, that's a big play for me today. Florida State will annihilate Xavier. It's going to be a blowout. Butler, Middle Tennessee State, that's going to be a phenomenal game. You've got to watch this. Watch this Middle Tennessee State team and tell me why. You'll know why I picked them in the Sweet 16. It's because they're good. And and another game that's got my attention, I think they're a little underrated, is Purdue. The size they have, this is perfect for a tournament, to have these seven-footers that they have to be able to play Iowa State. I just think it's a bad matchup. I think Purdue gets it done. Northwestern Gonzaga. Gonzaga is going to blow the doors off Northwestern today. Northwestern shouldn't have beat Vanderbilt. They did. They they feel like they've accomplished something in their first ever tournament. Now they're going to get skull drug. So then we move on to Arizona St. Mary's. Now this is one where you really have to look at it. And Arizona is a good team, but anytime Arizona has been in a tournament, they've been good. They've been prone to lose in those those first two days, you know, our first two days on the weekend. That's when they lose. If they can get past that, you got to watch out for Arizona. But I think, even though my bracket says otherwise, I think St. Mary's can win tonight. And speaking about the SEC and the NIT, Ole Miss beat Syracuse. That shows you Syracuse was real pumped up to be in the NIT, I bet. Um, and we'll go to the Mars games and go ahead and just look at those. I want to go ahead and do that. If you'll bear with me a minute, I apologize. I usually have a co-host, and I can I can go through things a little better. Um, all right, so we have Arkansas, North Carolina. The line on that game is 10 points. And it's tomorrow. South Carolina, Duke. But watch out, Duke. Because South Carolina can get hot. Michigan, Louisville is going to be one of the great one of the great games. I want to see how hot this Michigan team is. Uh, we came back and tore up the Big Ten tournament. Now they're hot. Wichita State and Kentucky, got to watch that one. That's going to be phenomenal. USC, Baylor, that'll be okay. Kansas, Michigan State, that'll be okay for about 
the first half and maybe eight minutes into the second half and then Kansas will pull away. Oregon, Rhode Island, I think Rhode Island could easily beat Oregon. Rhode Island is for real. I don't know how Oregon can do outside of their home home court that they usually play on. UCLA, Cincinnati, that's going to be a great game. UCLA likes to score a lot of points. Cincinnati likes to play defense and make it ugly. So which one of those two game teams will show up? Is it, if it's an ugly game, Cincinnati can win. If it's not an ugly game, UCLA will blow them out. And then we have TCU. I don't think TCU and Iowa are in here. I don't think that's uh, the tournament. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Jonathan must have thought we were having it at midnight or something. But uh, I'm going to text him. I sent him a Facebook message. Come on, Jonathan. Where are you, man? Is your bracket that bad? You hit 28 out of 32. I mean, is that something to hide about? If I know Jonathan, he's he's got this game on and he's eating some Popeye's fried chicken right now. If I, if I had to guess. He loves that chicken from Popeye's. So we'll, we'll kind of slow down the basketball talk a little bit until he gets back because I want to be able to go together and talk some basketball with him and get his opinions. Uh, right now, West Virginia's up seven with two minutes left in the first half. College football, spring, uh, the spring games are starting to get closer. So I'm getting ready to see Jared Stidham for Auburn take his turn at Auburn as quarterback. I guarantee you it's going to be very, very vanilla. But I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing out of practice, I really like. So you're not going to hear a lot from the news. Gus Malzahn doesn't let anybody know what's going on outside of his program. But I know some people on the inside of the program that live out west, actually, that have informed me on a couple of good things. The defense is looking good. The offense is looking even better. And one thing you're going to notice about Auburn's offense this year, you know, in the old off, in the, with the our old quarterback, Sean White never hit a running back. With a new offensive coordinator, Lindsey, they're going to throw the ball to the running back. So that means carry on Johnson, Cam Martin, Petaway, those guys are going to be able to take it to the house, which opens up your passing game a lot when you can flip it off to a receiver or a running back. I'm excited to see what Auburn does on offense this year and defense. We know we got the best kicker in the game, so you don't have to worry about that too much. But, but I want that iron ball to mean something. And I know a lot of people have, have Tony Romo on their mind right now. And the Dallas is sitting here scratching their head like, wow. It's funny how everybody assumes that Tony Romo is going to get traded and and Dallas is going to make y'all good. I think everybody's looking at Dallas laughing, saying, okay, you know, you've got $371,000 quarterback right here. So good job. You know, play him. How can you leave Tony Romo on your bench? Because if you drop him, you're going to have to pay him a certain amount of money. But it just seems like Dallas is not thinking about two things. You know, there's two things that I think about. Prescott was a rookie last year. You give defenses a year to study this guy. Is he for real or not? We're going to find out. But what if he gets hurt? I mean, what is Dallas going to do? At least with Romo there, you have a great backup quarterback. You can't pay your backup that kind of money. I get it. But they're just putting all their eggs in the Dak Prescott basket over one season. 
And I, I just don't understand that. When you have Tony Romo, yes, he could get hurt in the shower, but at least I know what you're going to get with Tony Romo. He's going to he can lead you to the playoffs. I mean, I think last year had Romo been been playing, I think they they probably would have beaten Green Bay. But they got embarrassed. Their defense is not playing well. And and Prescott's not a guy that's going to take over a football game. Granted, he did a great job last year playing within the game, but the the Dak and Dunk offense, I mean, God, people are going to adjust to that, and he's going to be required to throw the ball down the field next year, and I don't know if, if he can. I don't know how good he's going to be developing, because this is the NFL. This is not This is not college anymore. He did great last year, but again, that sophomore slump when when these quarterbacks come in or running, but whoever it is, they have a great first year. People make adjustments, and that's what's going to happen. You honestly think that Dak Prescott is going to come in next year and be better than what he was this year? I just find that hard to believe. They have the best offensive line in football. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, a great young running back, big enough to to carry the load. And, I mean, he's a great running back. He's fresh, so he's not beat up too bad. You have the great receivers. You have a real good defense at times that, that let him down, too. But I just don't know how you think that Dak Prescott's going to come in there and your team's going to improve from last year to this year. There has to be adjustments made at all times. And I just don't know if – I think Dallas is using Romo. I mean, people aren't going to fall for it. They're not going to pay millions of dollars for a guy that's sitting behind a rookie that you put on your bench that – and even, again, how healthy is he? Just because he may not even be healthy. And, and people talk about that. You know, like he didn't play last year. He didn't see him much because he was truly injured. And maybe Dallas told him to keep his mouth shut and he'll get, they'll get him a good deal. But I'm sure the doctors will sniff something out if Dallas is trying to do it. But Jerry Jones thinks he's a genius. Like, just people are going to be knocking down the door to get him. We still we still have to worry about New England. What's going to happen with their backup situation? What's going to happen with Tom Brady? I mean, are you ready to – I mean, Tom Brady's 40 years old now. I mean, do you really think that New England's going to trade away their, their backup quarterback that they've been grooming for years? They may, but – I just think Dallas missed it. They they probably had somebody interested. They just didn't pull the trigger in time. Bring on! I think Jonathan's here finally. Is that Jonathan? Yeah. Sorry about that. I just realized the time. Man, you're fined a thousand dollars. I'm talking about Dak Prescott, not the Cowboys. I I talked basketball earlier, but I was waiting on you. But Dak Prescott, do you really think he's going to be as good as he was this year next year? I mean, Dallas is putting all their eggs in his basket, and I think they need to be smarter about it. What what happens if he gets hurt? Uh, You know, that's that's always the game you can play. It's a very tough game uh, with – the backup quarterback thing, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, the Bucks just had Mike Glennon, who the Bears just paid a bunch of money to, and you know, the, I mean, the Bucks were willing to make him one of the higher-paid backups you're ever going to see. 
because there's always that moment where you're afraid, what if my starter goes down? I just want somebody confident behind him. You have to be worried, but you have to be careful on that situation because the last thing you want to do is be paying a backup $7 million only to need that money to get alignment or to get a receiver. So, you know, it's it, there's, there's a balancing act. If I'm the Cowboys, I, uh, I'd stick it out. I really would with uh, with Dak, and I would um, I'd let Romo walk because the only thing that keeping Romo around does is uh, let feed the media monster. Yeah, it's a distraction, isn't it? Yeah, you know, because every time Dak so, goes in there section or or fumbles the ball, oh, well, they have Romo, you know. Yeah, you, the the most popular person is always the backup quarterback. So if Romo stays with Dallas this year, how much is he going to make being a backup quarterback again? Oh Lord, his cap hits twenty four million. Um. God, I want to say his salary though is around seven, and that's just that's obscene. His cap hits twenty four million, and there's no way they can lessen that. It's just, it's unreal. Man, man. So, but, I mean, even if they cut him, they owe him a little bit, but not that much, right? They can cut him. Uh, they owe him some, but it frees up cash to be able to get that lineman you're talking about or that corner safety. Right. I mean, well, yeah, no, no, because even if they release him, because here, here's the issue with Romo, um, and this is something that I've been looking at for a couple years, they kept restructuring his contract um, so that um, they would have money in the years prior to be able to go get guys. And the issue became that he almost uh, – he became too expensive to uh, to release because all the money they kept backing up um, would be higher than his cap hit because last year – it was forty. His cap hit. If they had cut him, it would have been forty million against the cap. Um, even though his salary was only eight and a half. So this year, his salary's fourteen million. His cap hits twenty four point seven. His dead cap is nineteen six. So if they will release him as a post June first cut, he would count for nineteen point six against the cap. So he frees up five point one million. Yeah. Hey, I was gonna I was gonna ask you, what do you think Romo's bonus was this year? You got a uh, by, bonus. That's how much it was. Uh ten point seven million. No, sixty four dollars and eleven cents. That's how much he made as a bonus. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Chase Chase Daniel made two hundred twenty eight dollars. AJ McCare made six hundred and fifty six dollars. Matt Ryan seven thousand. I mean, that's not real good bonuses. Odell Beckham sixty one thousand. James White, the running back for the Patriots, one hundred two thousand. So you know, there's some bonuses going out, but I've never seen a bonus that bad. Sixty bucks. No, oh, hold on, Chad Henney thirty five dollars. Oh wow! Look at Chad. Wow, Chad yeah. Henney. Well, enough about football, Jonathan. I, I was bragging on us a little bit with 28-4 and four 
in the first weekend. I don't think I remember ever not losing a Sweet 16. It's been a long time since I have. Not losing a Sweet 16 in that second round right there. So to make it those two days and have them alive, that's huge. So you went 28-4, and four, I went 28-4. and four. We had somebody who went 30-2, and two, but I don't think he's going to stay up there too long. It wasn't very eventful, was it? The first two days wasn't very eventful in my mind. What about what do you think? Uh, not really. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at the game as a whole, you know, I mean, SMU and USC was an excellent game, and it was our only well, it was our only like major upset. Um, you know, I, I thought that was. Um, that that was definitely the best game I think of the first round uh, so far. Other than that, it's been a bunch of chalk, you know. And that that was something that I was worried about uh, after I saw everything, and even after I did a bunch, you know, I reseeded the brackets myself, thinking how different could it be. And what I realized is some of these teams would be moved up and down, but they would essentially go from let's say a six to an eight, or they'd go from a seven to to a six. You know, so they they were all well within each other, uh, and the lower seeds just weren't moving a bunch. You know, and we saw a lot of blood in these first two rounds, and that is definitely something that, you know, like South Carolina Marquette looked like it was going to be a great game, and then South Carolina won by 20. Whoa, wait, when did that yeah, that's, happen? That you surprised know? me. That, that surprised yeah. me. I mean, so yeah, I the just... fact that – we only had one potential buzzer beater. Just kind of bothers me. Yeah, there's some parity in basketball, but this year it's more. There's a top 25 team, top 30 teams. They can go at it, and anything can happen. And I was talking earlier about West Virginia. They're up on Notre Dame right now. I know a lot of people are sleeping on West Virginia. They look good. I mean, West Virginia gets past Notre Dame. They, they're the kind of team with the coach that could be Gonzaga, and they could end up making the Final Four. That's how good this West Virginia team is. And I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. Yeah, Florida State is a three-seed. Hell, Arizona could lose to St. Mary's today. And Florida State's got a cakewalk almost at least the Elite Eight. So that bracket in the West is interesting. What are your thoughts on West Virginia right now if you saw them play the first half against Notre Dame? Uh, you know, I, I really like West Virginia. I love the defense they play. Uh, their offense I've never fully trusted. But obviously today, I mean, they put up 42 points in the first half. Um, the, the offense, uh, you know, is, is good enough, at least against Notre Dame. It's not like Notre Dame's defense is the best in the world. But I noted, West Virginia is one of those teams that because of the defense they play, uh, where they press you and they trap you, they force turnovers, um, it's a team that you not, nobody wants to see. So I think, you know, to watch them up against Gonzaga, I honestly, I would like. Um, I think that would be an interesting matchup, something that we haven't seen. Uh, would I want Florida State to play them? No. <laughs> yeah, it's I, – I, and I have a question. We haven't met since – we haven't talked since the bracket came out, but how did North Carolina get another one seed over Duke? And then – how does Kansas lose the first round of the Big 12 tournament and get the number one overall? Didn't they get the number one overall, Kansas, or was that Villanova? Uh, Villanova, Kansas was number two, which still is ridiculous. 
Yeah, but North uh-uh. Carolina, do you won, won the ACC, beat them two out of three times. Mm-hmm. They were hotter than North Carolina, and they get a two seed. I yeah. just don't understand it. Uh, neither do I. Uh, to be completely uh, honest with you, I, uh, I I like I did some receiving of the bracket myself. Um, like, like I said earlier, and I had Kansas as a two seed in the Midwest. I had North Carolina as a two seed in the South. Um, I actually had Kentucky as the one seed in the South and Duke as the one seed in the Midwest. Um, and so, you know, like, I, I, I understand it. So, you know, those two teams were locked in as one seed for the conference tournaments. And that's kind of the issue I have with the conference tournaments is that teams can get locked into the seeding um, for, you know, March. So what do they care about what they do in the conference tournament? And that leads um, to certain teams making a run, if you will, maybe even winning the conference that don't really have business doing it. But the teams that they're playing don't really care because they're locked into already what they're doing. Yeah, it gives somebody a chance to knock one of your bubble teams out. You know, because you should mm-hmm. not ever get a number one seed unless you're undefeated or something and you get upset. But to lose the first round of your conference, to lose like that, and to stay a number one, the number two, number one seed, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. And for Carolina to be penalized, why did Duke even show up then? So you telling me that it was, was Duke even a two seed going into that, that tournament? Do you think Duke was a two seed? Had they lost a... Uh, North Carolina, do you think they would have dropped to a three? And they, you know what? They might have. They 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 honestly might have. You know, if Duke doesn't win um, the, uh, the conference, they might have dropped to a three. You know, then you would have had the debate between Oregon and UCLA and what a Florida State that won the ACC – I mean, I I could you know I easily could see the argument where up oh, Duke didn't win the ECC, they're a three seed, and we're going to give the two seed to Oregon because you know they have a better record. They lost in the Pac-12 championship, and you're like, mm, I don't know about that. You know, like because Duke, Duke had that one had that rough stretch when Coach K was out, and I think you have to hold that yeah. against them to a degree, right? But if you look at their season as a whole, they still had a great season. Like, that's what blows my mind. It's like Kentucky. Okay, so Kentucky had that had a four-game stretch where they were horrible. They were absolutely horrendous. They finished, what, 30-5? and five? I mean, at what point do you sit there and go, oh, they had a bad week. They had one bad week. Not month, not couple weeks, one bad week. When do we not hold that against them and go, wait a minute, uh, other teams had, like, multiple bad spots throughout the year. Kentucky had a bad week when their starting point guard had, had like, a sprained ankle or the flu or both or whatever. Who knows? Who cares, right? He he wasn't playing. Um, You know, that's why I think that they should have been a one seed. I think when I first heard Kentucky was a two, I went, "Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if they're that good. And then I thought about it, and I looked at the numbers, and I went, you know, they probably should have been a one over over North Carolina and Kansas. I, I just just saying, 
that that that's just how I looked yeah. at it. And who beat North Carolina this year when they played? Kentucky. Uh, it was a great game. Yep. You know, Duke I mean, that's how you look at it. And if you can, if you can, if you can compare, if you have two even things, and the only thing you can compare them to is the tiebreakers each other. That's great. It's like if UCLA, you put UCLA and Kentucky on the same playing field. The difference is Kentucky won the championship. You know, so Arizona won the Pac-12. So you can't really compare Kentucky and UCLA with that game as much. But when you have two things even, you know, but North Carolina didn't even win their conference. In, in the tournament, they got knocked out. I just don't see why everybody's in love with them. Kentucky, are they? Could they get beat by Wichita State? Yeah. Could they lose the UCLA? Yes. Could they? Could they win it all? Yes. I mean, that's Kentucky is a, a wild card to me right now because you don't know which team's going to show up right now. But what do you think about that eight point win? Was it an eight point win last night over Northern Kentucky? They were up big early. Is that good for Kentucky or is that bad? Oh. I mean, I just think they don't—they—they they, they didn't care at a point, you know. Hats off to Northern Kentucky. I honestly, you know, it's going to sound weird, but they wanted to be there more. They did. It was their first ever uh, chance, um, first mm-hmm. year being uh, eligible for Division One, and they're playing in March, and they're playing—you know—they're the flagship school in their state. They're playing University of Kentucky. They wanted it more, you know. But Kentucky was up by. God, I want to say it was 20 points at one point in the second half, and they just they they let them have their fun in garbage time. I, I don't think it's a big deal, um, you know, and especially considering that Kentucky about five minutes left said, all right, well, we, we really need to get our starters a break here because we are playing the best, you know, and I kind of hate saying this, but I don't consider Gonzaga a mid-major anymore. Um, so... They are playing the best mid-major tomorrow in Wichita State. They are. It's a dangerous game. I mean, and it's payback, too. You know, Kentucky is an eight seed. Wichita State, which we talked about that last night, the uh, the bracket they had to go through. My God. I mean, just to get there. But Kentucky ended up beating Wichita State. But uh, – I think if Calipari can get past Wichita State here, I think he can motivate his team for two more games. Because you got to think, okay, you beat Northern Kentucky and Wichita State, now you probably got to beat UCLA and North Carolina. So uh-huh. there's a big difference there in caliber of teams. Is Cal a good enough coach to do that? Uh, no. Coach, I mean, Calipari is not a good. He's really not a good coach. Um, he's a great recruiter. You know, maybe I, you could easily talk me into saying he's the best uh, college basketball recruiter out there. Um, but as far as an in-game an in-game coach, no, he's not very good. I mean, you know, is he? He ju- he really just needs to let his team. At this point in the season, he he's hoping. And I think everybody else is hoping that his team has kind of figured everything out on their own so they can kind of run things on their own. Because when he has to call plays and make decisions, strategic decisions, if you will, that team suffers. Yeah, definitely. And that worries me because UCLA beat them in, I think it was in Kentucky. So now this will be a neutral side game. And you know who's still on the show in the media right now, don't you? Who's that? Is that Mr. Ball? 
Oh, God. His daddy can be Michael Jordan? Yeah. When when, when do you come out on TV and tell your daddy to shut up? When do you do that? Um... Until you sign your contract, you probably don't. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think the whole ball, the ball family situation is just, it's ridiculous at this point. Lavar has made his family a target. Uh, yeah, they just had what they were robbed uh, this this past week. Uh, the the family house was, and it's because Lavar has made his family a target. You knew it was going to happen. Uh, if I'm Lonzo. I, obviously, you, you feel some sort of embarrassment from the way your dad talks in the media. You know, you know, my kid's better than Steph Curry. I averaged two points in my one year of college, but, you know, <laughs> I could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Uh, Michael Jordan was winning MVPs when you were dropping out. So, uh, I mean, I, 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 think, I think at some point, though, if I was Lonzo, I, you have to sit there and go, Pops, you need to shut up. Like, you you, you really got to stop this because you're putting a target on my back, not your back. And that's been the bigger issue mm-hmm. is that, that teams have put that target on Lonzo's back, and the media has put that target on Lonzo Ball's back. And people were openly rooting for Kent State last night just because they don't want to give LeVar Ball another day to say something stupid. And he hasn't played that well, has he, since his dad's gotten in the media. Um, I I don't think so when I've watched him over the past few weeks. But here's the deal. If you are the number one pick in the NBA, imagine the teasing and the, the hazing is going to happen. If you come, How are you going to come to the Lakers and lead if, if your daddy's in the media all the time? See, that's, that's what bothers me the most is his dad doesn't realize he's making it more difficult for his son because – they, they don't want distractions in these organizations. They don't want somebody. You saw how the NFL was. I think the NBA is similar in a way, but they don't want distractions coming in. You get this right. kid and you waste all that money on him and his dad's running the show and he's a flop or bust, then you wasted all that money. So he's hurting his kid's draft stock, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 14.6 rebounds, seven assists this year. It's absolutely amazing what he's putting together. You know, I mean, he, he's a six-six point guard, and that's something that everybody uh, wants on their team. Is, is his shooting motion the prettiest in the world? No, not by any sense of imagination. Um, but I definitely think he's somebody that could still be the number one overall pick. I just, I, I agree with you though. If I was a team, his dad would scare me a little bit, especially considering they already have the. Uh, the clothing line, and apparently uh, Lamar has spoken to shoe, you know certain shoe companies and has hardlined it at a um, billion dollars, and but all of his sons have to be part of the package and blah. And you're like, what? 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 Wait, what? What is this? You know, I mean, I, it, it's a stupid, idiotic mess. I really, 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 really don't like Lamar Ball. I'm glad I'm glad you said that, but his brother sucks, so when he comes out, he's terrible. Um, yeah, I just I just don't understand Daddy doing this. And yeah, you average two points a game, and you're talking that crap that you could beat the best player ever to play. 
I mean, really, in his prime, he says, in his prime. What, what, what was his prime when he averaged three points a game? Did he ever do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, like, it, it, you know, if if you're all ball, hey, what do you have to gain from all this stupidity? I mean, honestly, honestly, what, what, do, you, what do you have to gain from this? Oh, you're in the media for an extra two minutes? You know, I, I, I don't get it to the point where ESPN actively is looking for you uh, at each UCLA game. You know, so I would be willing to bet that in a one-on-one game of Michael Jordan right now against LeVar Ball in his prime, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. beats him by 10. And, and they're playing to 11. I think LeVar Ball gets one point. I know. I mean, people don't realize you're still you're still great. Michael Jordan, even at his age right now, you mm-hmm. still can go out there and put something out, you know? I mean, he's not just some blob that's not in, not in shape anymore. Now he's talking to Charles Barkley. Barkley made fun of him, and Barkley said, no way somebody that averaged two points is going to beat me right now, and he's talking trash to him. So, so maybe they can get that on TV. They can play one-on-one see if he would do it. That's how you put a stop to it. If you're Barkley, hey, we're going to be here. We're flying you out free. We're going to play one-on-one. And if you beat me, you can play Jordan and see what happens. <laughs> so when Barkley skunks him, when, when, when Barkley skunks him, then everybody would shut up. Yeah, let's How about let's Clemson stop. getting a 45-year-old? How about Clemson getting a 45-year-old trying on spring this year? Wait, what? Yeah, Clemson's got a 45-year-old man trying out. Really? Is is it another um, really? cornerback. Greg Morris, walk on, won't be joining the team (laughs) this spring. Hold on. No, I'm trying to figure. Let's see. Oh, he was a master electrician. <laughs> What's he gonna do? Electrocute somebody on the fields? What's he, what's he I, got, to I gotta be honest. That that boy is too big. Um, okay, so coach huh. Coach Sweeney informed us he wasn't taking anyone this season because they are still full. So he was told Thursday that. Um, that they wouldn't have room for him, but to keep his phone available just in case somebody gets hurt. But wait, what? Brian, where do you find these things? CBS. Uh, I need to start looking there. I don't get any fun stuff where I'm looking. (laughs) Where are you looking? Damn you, ESPN. Bring more fun. No, ESPN's terrible. I told you that for a long time. Yeah. You can't trust them. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, Clemson, I mean, wouldn't that be nice, a 45-year-old? That would be a good story. Well, you remember Pops at South Carolina, right? Yeah, he's like 55, wasn't he, or something like he, that. Yeah, he was an you know, Army Ranger. or Yeah, he was, I think it was Army Ranger. And... Uh, 
he made the team. Hell, he he made a catch in a game. They actually got him in some game action. You know, so that whenever yeah. you say forty five year old walk on, I'm like, oh, pops, pops is back. Did he just move to another college? What's going on? Pops is back. This guy, I'm forty, so he's not that old. Forty five is not that old. No. I keep telling myself that. But to play college football, it really is. So be 45 out there. You probably don't need to be playing college football unless you're a kicker or something. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot harder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be hard um, once you get north of 30 to really play college football. Um, You know, because your body's not building up. It's starting to build down, if you will, wear down, uh, I guess would be the correct terminology. Um, that's, that's something you got you got to worry about. Well, hey, let's flip over to the NBA real quick and uh, give you a chance. Remember how Dustin Porterfield was giving me hell about Seth Curry last year, and I was like, guy, this guy's like a circus clown. That's all he is. What's happened to old Curry, Jonathan? He, he's struggling a little bit of late, and the Golden State Warriors – they can't play without Kevin Durant. So, what happened to Golden State? Do you think Kevin Durant got in his head a little bit? Uh, well, what I think happened was they gave up. You know, they essentially swapped out Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant, right? So, Kevin yeah. Durant's out. So, I mean, you lost a starter. You're playing um, with only four, uh, star- four of the five. Uh, and obviously three of those four are still all NBA players and Draymond Clay and Steph. What I think is really the issue, and I think it's the issue for uh, most of the guys on this team, and, you know, cause, because they're three-point shooters, so they need their legs. Uh, you know, if they, if they can't they can't elevate on their jump shot, that they're going to go 0 for 11s and 0 for 8 kind of night. And what I honestly think it is is I, I think they're tired. I, I think, you know, they've played so many games, uh, and especially if you look at the NBA schedule now where they've condensed the schedule and you have so many three-and-four-night, three four-and-five-night situations, I think they're just tired. And I, you know, this is something San Antonio's been giving guys a rest. Uh, you know, look at the past three years. Oh, he's going to sit here, 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 and here. You know, so Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and them were only played, you know, 70 games because you're tacking on the playoff games afterwards. Let's say you played 20 playoff games. You played 102 games in the season. I mean, Golden State has played over 200 games in the, over, if, over the last two years, and then you add this year onto it. They're going to be over 300 games played in a three-year stretch. Teams don't usually do that. And, if you know, if, if they do, they're usually not winning as much. You, you, the Bulls obviously did with, with the 2 3 piece, But, you know, but, you know, after, let's say, the merger, not a lot of teams were able to put together three-year stretches like the one Golden State's putting together right now. The Heat weren't able to do it. Um when they uh, when they had LeBron in them, I mean, let's remember you had a you had the lockout shortened year. Uh, you had the one year where they only won like fifty five games. Obviously, you had the one year they won sixty six and they won the title. They were just dominant. But you know, this, 
Miami didn't have that that didn't dominate like this Golden State team has in the regular season. I think they're tired. I think they played a lot of games. You know, this is the same argument you hear in hockey where, you know, a team that has played in the Stanley Cup, you know, multiple years in a row, at some point their bodies have worn down because your off seasons are shorter, you've played more games, uh, you know, you have a, the certain fatigue factor sets in quicker than it would for other people. I think they're tired. I think they need time off. I really do. And at the same point in time, the players set this system of failure up for themselves because if they weren't so damn greedy and needed $20 million a season, okay, if they were willing to take 15, you could play 10 less games and unclutter the schedule a little bit. But, nah, you also want to make $30 million a year. So pick your poison here. Take the pay cut or play less games. You can't have both. And I think, you know, Curry's a good shooter. But he, he, I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's very good. But to start comparing him to LeBron and Jordan and some of those guys, I'm like, okay, guys, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I think the good thing about Golden State was they had some toughness a little bit on their bench. They had some depth. They had to trade all that away to get Durant. And now that that does change the chemistry the six-man, you know, it just changes the identity of your team. And, yeah, you get Kevin Durant as a starter, but he takes shots away from from Thompson, from Curry, from those guys. And it's, I just think it's a chemistry issue with Golden State. They're so talented right now, it doesn't really matter. They're still in first place. But to win a championship, I just don't think they will. I, I do not think this team can beat Cleveland. I don't think there's a chance of them beating Cleveland. Right now, can they beat San Antonio? Maybe, uh, probably. It depends on where it is. But Cleveland, Jonathan, right now, I know their record is forty-five and twenty-two, but they're getting ready for a playoff run. That's what they're getting ready. They're going to be the number one seed in the East again, probably, and and they're going to stay. They're going to rest during the playoffs or resting during the regular season, and they're not putting all the emphasis on the regular season like some teams do. So I really look at Cleveland right now being my favorite in the NBA. What do you think? I mean, Cleveland's got to fight, figure out a way to stay healthy. I mean, it seems like every time you turn around, one of their big three is injured. Uh, usually Kevin Love, unfortunately, and I think that's just playing inside. He gets banged up a little more because they may call him a power forward, but he's just he, he's more stretch for. He needs to hang outside the paint. But uh, I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I, if Golden State's healthy, I think they're the favorite. Um, I, I think when you have everybody out there, and you have Durant, Clay, Steph, Draymond, who will combine for 80 points on most nights. You don't really need that much from your bench if your starters are, you know, get what they need to get done. Uh, and, and talking about Steph, uh, comparing him to other players, you can't you you can't compare him to LeBron or Michael or even Russ. If you're going to compare Steph to somebody, I think uh, Pistol Pete is probably the one uh, comparison that everybody kind of agrees with. Um, because Pistol Pete's whole game was offense, right? He was a great shooter. Um, you put up 40, 50 points. You know, that was without the three-point line. If they had the three-point line, it might have been down to 60, 70 points tonight. 
uh, you know, I think that's the only player right now, if you want a historical comparison, you can compare Steph to. Yeah, I don't think you can compare him to Pistol in a way. Pistol, from what the footage I've seen, is a much better player, all-around player. Curry's good. I mean, he's an all-star player. But, man, these people is jumping on his bandwagon so much. And I, I think Clay Thompson's better than Curry. I mean, I do. I mean, Durant, we know, is better. But I, I just think people fell in love with him too much and anointed him like best player in the NBA and all this stuff. And it's a joke. Um, but anyway, enough about the NBA. But I just think Cleveland right now, LeBron is the best in the game, him and Westbrook. And he's going to find a way to win. I would love to see OKC get hot in the playoffs, but you can't do it with one man in the NBA. You know, no, you really can't, can't do it. He can't, he can't, no, you can't go. You can't beat somebody four out of seven with one player. It's just you may get them once, a good team, but you're not going to go in. Sure, they'll probably beat the – Utah maybe or the Clippers if they played them, but they're not going to beat San Antonio or Golden State uh, with those. That's really the only relevant teams in my mind in the West, Golden State, San Antonio. In the East, you've actually got several teams that are relevant that could win. Look at Boston, how they're doing at 44-25. I mean, that coach, uh, was it from Butler that's there? That, that made a big difference, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Brad Stevens is great. Um he 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 has been something else for uh, for the Celtics. Um, honestly, I think he might be the the best coach in basketball right now, and he's got the Celtics team playing so well. Uh, they're definitely somebody I think could knock off Boston, uh, Cleveland. It's not necessarily that I think they're better than Cleveland. It's just that they're so well coached, and Isaiah Thomas. Can, I mean, just from a scoring standpoint, he can do enough. And Al Horford can put points in. You know, especially if Kevin Love or Kyrie um, Irving's out, I think Boston has, has a shot. But even with both Boston. teams healthy, I just – Boston's so pesky. Yeah. And, that, and, and nobody's talking about him. They just talk about Cleveland. But that team right there is – like you said, because of how well coached, Cleveland doesn't even have a coach. LeBron's the coach. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Cleveland may not win it because they may not make it. But I would like to see Boston win it. It would be nice to see Boston win the East, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know you know me. I always like a little bit of change now and then. <laughs> well, buddy, your life is longer life goes, you'll see. That's all it is, is change. Well, I'll, so, you know, I'll I'll take that. You don't sleep till one o'clock when you when you when you're grown up, Jonathan. That's why you your your butt was laying in bed. That's what it was. You was asleep. You didn't lose track of time. You were sleeping. I actually wasn't asleep. Was I woke up at eleven forty five. I said, "No, eleven thirty, eleven thirty. I had an alarm set and everything. And the next thing I know, I was I was reading, and. Um, I didn't even have my TV on. That tells you how wonderful that was. I'm reading a book on the 85 Bears, and I was reading that, and all of a sudden I looked down, and I'm like, uh-oh. It's like 12.50. I woke up at 7.30, so it's late for me. 7.30. Yeah. That's what happened. What's your, do you my have dog. an alarm clock, or uh, does Little Man let you know? 
Uh, I have an alarm clock. I have an alarm clock. You have to wake up, but today I didn't. I mean, my dog let me know it was time to get up. <laughs> so he'll let me know. So he, he keeps me in check. Hey, just an update real quick. 13.45 left in the second half. West Virginia up only four now. Notre Dame keeps being pesky. They keep staying around, hanging around. you got to be careful if you're West Virginia here. You need to get back oh, up to that double-digit lead. Yeah, boom. That's why they need to get back up to about nine or ten and keep it there. So that was uh, yeah. so that was a three. They're up by seven. Okay. So Notre Dame, I just don't know how they even win games, man. I mean, look at them on the court. They just look fat, slow, and white. I mean, they just – I just don't get it. I don't know how Notre Dame is as good as they are. But anyway – West Virginia is a team that is going to be held to pay. But you don't want to play them in the Sweet 16 with Huggins coming in. That, that's my sleeper to make the Final Four is West Virginia. That's the team that I think could easily get in there. And people will be like, what? But how do you feel about your bracket so far? Do you feel good about it? Yeah, I mean, I lost one Sweet 16 team in, uh, in SMU. And that was more of my own foolishness. You know, one of the 11 seed playing teams has won every year that they've been doing it. And I, I I was locked in on Cincinnati. I felt like they were safe. And for some reason, I was like, no, no, both of them will win, even though both, both teams were underseeded, okay? SMU and Cincinnati both should have been four or five. Uh, but anyways, um other than losing SMU, I feel really good. You know, I just – I thought this year was going to be very chalky. And I think I, – I, I think after uh, what we saw in uh, the opening round, yeah, that's what we're going to get, y'all. Be ready for it. It's going to be a little boring. Uh, that's okay. That's all right. I just want to win. I like to win. Mm-hmm. I like to win, and usually my brackets, I'm I'm all over the place, like picking them. But this year, I mean, I wasn't all over the place. It was more methodical, but it was just like I was looking at it, saying, and you even posted something about it after the brackets. This it may be chalk, you know, that may be mm-hmm. what we're looking at here. So, and it yeah, just looked I- like to me the best teams are the best teams. Right, I mean, all right, so how do you know the committee, you know, somewhat got the seating right is when there's, what, two upsets technically? I think it was USC and Michigan State, yeah. There were there were only Well, you got middle, two, middle Tennessee as well, yeah. Well. There's some, there were some upsets, but they were favored, I mean, weren't they? Wasn't middle Tennessee State favored in that game, even though they were? Right, right, so. You know, so you had the two, as I like, I'm going to call them pure upsets, and that's Michigan State and um, and USC, where they didn't have any shot at all, right? Not only were they the lower seed, but they were underdogs according to Vegas. And then you had what I like to call you done messed up, Jack, and that's what I we would like to call uh, Maryland Butler. And who was the other one? Uh, Dayton. Okay, where these schools 
especially, especially the stupidity that was Maryland getting a six seed and Minnesota getting a five. The conference champion got a seven. The conference runner-up got an eight. How in the hell does Maryland get a six when Maryland, in all reality, <laughs> should have gotten a ten? That team should have been a ten. Yeah. Minnesota got a five. How did Minnesota get a five? How did, how did that I happen? I have no idea. I said they should have been a seven. Um. Oddly enough, I still have Middle Tennessee in the 12. I know, weird. It's weird. Just that they were still 12. Um, I have Xavier as a 9. And then we had Dayton and Wichita State, where I had Dayton as an 8. So they had him as a 7, whatever. Um, I had Wichita as a 5. They had Wichita as a 10. So. Yeah, because then you done messed up. Where Vegas, you know, uh, Creighton was the other one. I forgot about that. Creighton, Rhode Island. Where, you know, I had Creighton as a seven. I had Rhode Island as an eight, right? Well, Rhode Island, Vegas had them favored. Uh, Vegas had Middle Tennessee favored. Vegas had um, Wichita (laughs) State favored by six and a half, seven points. I don't know Maryland, Xavier... I think Xavier's favorite, I'm not certain. But when Vegas is telling no, hold on, hold on, you that this isn't an upset, come on. Yeah, it's, uh, Vegas, if they, they're telling you really everything you need to know, right? I mean, if you look at Vegas, they're, they're trying to tell you that. When did they play last night? Uh, Xavier, Maryland was um, Thursday. Well, I think Maryland was favored in that game. Okay. Barely. Let me. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a one point I don't favorite. Say it, but yeah, but I mean the committee. I mean they showed by putting Minnesota, like you said, a five, and Michigan got a seven. They won the tournament. Who was runner up again in the Big Ten? Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Those are the two best teams, and then Wisconsin gets an eight seed. And they have to play Virginia Tech. Wisconsin could could end up beating uh, Villanova. That's how good Wisconsin is. They they got some experience and stuff. So to put Minnesota five, I mean, my God, let's talk about fives. Notre Dame, that's a five seed. We've got yep. Virginia is a five seed. Iowa State's a five seed, and uh, yeah, Minnesota. Like we said, I mean, dang, Minnesota. I mean, let's look at six seeds. For a minute, Cincinnati, Maryland, SMU, and Creighton. I mean, it's easy to say Cincinnati's the best team of those. Oh, they're the only one. I mean, I thought SMU was uh, the best one out of that group. But uh, so, you know, so, they, so tell me, tell me about Michigan real quick. What happened exactly? Tell our listeners in case they miss it. What happened to Michigan before the Big Ten tournament? Uh, with the plane, they were going to cancel the tournament, not show up. They ended up winning it. They wouldn't have gotten in the tournament, right? If they hadn't have won that tournament, they wouldn't have made the tournament, I believe. Tell us about that. So, yeah, um, Michigan's basketball team uh, was going to fly out the day before uh, the conference tournament started. And um, there were really high winds that day. 
sustained winds were like 35, 40 miles per hour. So they go to take off, and <clears throat> the pilot has a moment of, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. And the emergency lands, like, immediately. And the plane slides off the runway. They uh, get some couple players who got, you know, dinged and bruised. But for the most part, nobody really got hurt. Um, The team had a vote that night uh, to to make a decision if they were going to fly to the tournament um, the next day or if they were going to forfeit their game against Illinois and take their chances with the committee. Um, And apparently it was a debated uh, decision, uh, but the team decided to to go ahead and get back on a plane and uh, fly out to the Big Ten tourney. Uh, They got there. They only had their practice uniforms in Illinois because they left – they left their uniforms on the um, on the plane that crashed, and they couldn't retrieve them because it was part of an investigation. Um, you know, so it was kind of funny watching Michigan beat Illinois in their practice unis, and then they just got on a roll and they won the whole thing. I mean, they in all honesty, they needed to win two games of the tournament to be locked in, and for them to win the whole thing was just it, it was a great run. Teams like that, that's who scare you if you're playing them in March right now. That's oh, the teams yeah. you don't want to play. That's Teams that get hot like that, we've seen it year in and year out. Team gets on a, a winning streak. We saw Georgia do it, you know, win five games in four days or five first and four games in three days. But mm-hmm. Michigan right now, who are they playing in the next round? Louisville. See, and I, I think, honestly, Louisville can't score. Jonathan, they struggle with scoring. And mm-hmm. Michigan can put it, fill it up. I think Louisville better be careful or they're going to exit this tournament rather early. I mean, what do you think about this game? I think the line's only three, three and a half points maybe. Uh, and I want to do that with you real quick. I want to look at the lines of the game, looking at the seeds and everything, and it, it should tell you something about what you said about Kentucky. They're only like a four-point favorite over Wichita State, a 10 seed. Um, Villanova, only a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Wisconsin. Florida is a favorite over Virginia. I think Virginia beats them by one-and-a-half. That's the point spread. Florida State is my power play of the day, seven-and-a-half over Xavier. They'll run them out. Butler is two-and-a-half over Middle Tennessee State. So Middle Tennessee State, a 12 seed, right? So twelve seed. They're only a, a bucket underdog, really. They're going to beat Butler by ten at least. This team's good. Purdue. This is what I don't understand. Purdue two seven footers. I pick them against Iowa State. I like Purdue a lot in that game. Gonzaga ten and a half over Northwestern. They'll probably beat them by twenty five. Arizona four over St. Mary's California. Tell me about that one, Jonathan. That kind of got it got my curiosity when I saw that point spread. I'm glad it does. All right, so St. Mary's is actually a pretty daggum good basketball team. For uh, those that don't know, um, their claim to fame this year is that they lost to Gonzaga three times. Um, yeah, but St. Mary's is actually a pretty good team. It's a team that uh, you let them be going, they'll shoot your lights out. Uh, yeah, 
they're going to know how to play Arizona. You know, and it's not like this is a little fusion team. They have some size on them because uh, the one thing you got to worry about with Arizona is that big old seven-footer they got um, from, um, oh, Lowry Markinen. Yeah, yeah that, that kid over from, like, Lafayette or whatever. So, you know, they're, they're going to be able to match him up with somebody uh, like Jack Perry or Fister or Landale. You know, the one thing about St. Mary's is that a lot of the kids on their team aren't from the U.S. They recruit Australia uh, real heavy. Um, so it, it, it's kind of fun to watch them just because it's a bunch of Australians. And if we've learned anything from uh, from the Australian players, they kind of don't know what a soft foul is. So every foul is a hard foul, which I appreciate. Um so, you know, I, I think St. Mary's has got talent. I think this is a team that can that can run with anybody. Uh, I think they can shoot with anybody. Um, it's a team that you honestly, you got to be worried about, especially Landale. Uh, you know, Landale is, uh, what, 6'11"? Uh, he's, their, uh, he's the big guy down low. He's averaging 17 points uh, and nine rebounds. So that's, that's, that's the guy that you have to keep your eye on. Yeah, that's interesting. And and now is a time you can really, you know, Jonathan, as well as I do, it's hard to watch every game in the first round, of course, because there's so many. But now you can really start paying attention to these Middle Tennessees and these St. Mary's and really start appreciating how good of a team they are, right? I mean, you can really watch them. And, and there's no more under-the-radar kind of thing now. This is – anybody can lose. If you, if you look at it, Jonathan, today's games, like I'm telling you about, the biggest point spread – the biggest margin is ten and a half, and that's it. There's no more double figures. You look at what I said. We, we had a, a two-and-a-half-point game early, this game on right now, and five-and-a-half, one-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half, two-and-a-half, one, four-and-a-half, seven. I mean, you know, tomorrow, let's flip it over to tomorrow real quick. And that's why I'm saying parity. Vegas knows it. You know it. I know it. Forget the seeds a minute. Let's look, North Carolina and Arkansas, that's a 10-and-a-half-point line. That's the biggest margin of the whole day tomorrow, another one. So you've got two of those, one today and one tomorrow. Duke, they're a monster team. Over South Carolina, only 7-and-a-half. So that tells you there's not much of a variance between the two teams. Michigan, Louisville, three. Louisville's only favored three. So that's a margin of error between uh, and then Kentucky, four-and-a-half. Baylor, seven over USC. Kansas, eight over Michigan State. Oregon, five over Rhode Island. I think Rhode Island beats them. UCLA, three and a half over Cincinnati. think Cincinnati can beat them. I mean, what do you think about the point spreads being so tight? Uh, well, I think I think Vegas is making a good decision there because essentially, you know, it, it avoids people from going money, from going money line, right? Or it incentivizes yeah. people to go money line and pay more juice. Uh, you know, because what you see this time of year is a lot of people who take their, let's say, $5 shots at money lines for upset, and then they're placed their 10 bucks on spreads, right? Well, sooner or later, your money line bets catch up to you, especially if you're like, ah, I'll lay the 150 on Miami to beat Michigan State. I'll just lay that 150 and take a money line, and then lose by 20. Well, now, that worked out well. <laughs> you know, I think... Uh, you look at Notre Dame, West Virginia, 
from everything, from what I see, people bet West Virginia, uh, bet Notre Dame, which seems kind of stupid. They did. Okay. And that's, 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 anytime Vegas has Notre Dame an underdog like that, especially that close to the game, you know, that close to the seed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I knew it was a lot today. I mean. The Alabama <laughs> effect. It is the Alabama, it's the Patriot effect. Anytime their teams are yeah. up, their lines are going to be are going to be skewed. I mean, you know, Wisconsin, Villanova, looks like two-thirds are siding with Villanova. Virginia, Florida looks kind of Split. Uh, Xavier, Florida State is actually split. Middle Tennessee is getting most of the money, but it's not by much. Um, Iowa State, Purdue was right down the middle. Gonzaga's got a slight edge. I mean, the only game where it looks like people are just hammering one side is Arizona. People are just hammering Arizona right now. Um, that line opens up at. Uh, you know, nothing would make me happier, Brian. And you know what? I have them in the Final Four, and I want them to lose. I love – just rip my bracket apart. I don't care about that stuff. It was like, oh, my bracket. Who cares about your bracket? Nobody does. Right. I, I don't I care about yours. Thing. You don't care about mine. Oh, hell no. Are you kidding me? I mean, we're not making money off this. I mean, it would be different if we were – we were getting rich off of it, but I'm not making a dime. If I get a perfect bracket, I'm not making a dime. So what does it matter? <laughs> I mean, exactly. So I'm I'm all about chaos. I love chaos. And if you can right now think about this parlay. What do you think? Villanova money line, Middle Tennessee money line, St. Mary's money line, Rhode Island plus five, and Duke money line. What do you think a twenty-five dollar parlay would pay on that? Uh, too damn much. $516. Think about it. Duke just wins the game. Rhode Island plus five. St. Mary's upset over Arizona. Middle Tennessee wins the game outright as another dog in Villanova money line. That's not too bad. That's really not. So, um, here's, my other, here's my other parlay, just so you know. Uh, Wisconsin plus five and a half. Mm. Gonzaga minus eleven, Middle Tennessee plus three and a half, North Carolina minus ten and a half, and Duke minus seven. Um, the Duke could be the one that gets me, but I like parlays. They're fun. They're exciting. You can risk little money and get a lot of reward. And uh you can take some of those little small underdogs straight up money line if you think they can win and go ahead and take the favorite that money line is seven and kinda of offset them, you know. It kinda of helps a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um it really does, and what all a parlay does. If you're trying to take favorites on the money line, let's say they're you know a bunch of guys at like minus two to three hundred, which the spreads in that case are what three and a half to like five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just take yeah. them on the money line instead. Just put three of them together, and you've got pretty decent odds. Um, and if the first two hit and the third one starts after the first two ends, you can always hedge it and go the other way. That way you can try and uh, make guarantee that no matter what, you're going to make some money. It's all about the money, honey. And I got another yeah. bet. For, I put $25 on Carolina to win the Super Bowl. I win like $700. That's not bad for a $25 bet. Carolina plays better next year. Hey, guess what? I'm rich. Man, you 
You might as well just give him that 25 bucks, man. That's, that's just what I like to do, man. When I put $25,000 on Auburn to, to win it all, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I need to I do that one told, day. It? I, I hope you told Little Man that his college fund just went down the drain. I know, right? But if I win, I'm gonna be sitting. I'm gonna be never working again. That's how you got to look at it. Okay, I'm taking all my money and I'm putting it on this one team. God, could you imagine doing that? At least I'll tell you right now what it would. I don't know if it let me, but I'm gonna tell you what like a future bet on and football would be right quick. Oh, I think they have got a limit. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if they'd let me bet twenty five grand. They probably would if they found out what I was betting on. I'd be like, sure, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, um, it all depends see. about what game it is, right? Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, Auburn. Yeah, you can bet a million if you want to. Just give me the cash now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's just. I'm trying to. I was trying to pull that up real quick, but it's for some reason not showing the futures. But let's. Let's look at Major League Baseball to win the World Series futures, and let's take a big underdog. Let's say if you want to see, if you want to bet on the Reds to win it, just say you want the Cincinnati Reds to win it, and you can put in $25,000 bet, you would win $6.25 million off a $25,000 bet if the Reds win the World Series. Dang, man. That's, I'm, I'm going to get people start thinking about this stuff now. Let's say if I think the Braves, just say, okay, the Braves are going to be back. They're going to win the World Series this year in the new stadium. I put a, I put 25000 on it. I'm going to win $3.75 million. That's life-changing money. 25000 is not life-changing money. But that other is. I'm trying to find a bigger underdog to make you really – the Reds are like the biggest underdog to win the World Series or something. I don't understand that. Because they're not very good. Well, I know that, but I mean, could you imagine winning six point five million because the Reds won the World Series? I'd be a Reds fan for life if they would do that. Like, just think if you could tell the future, how nice that would be. Oh my God! And just be able to. Oh, man, man. don't even get me started. Need that Marty McFly book. You know, that we, the, the, the sports almanac, yeah. right? <laughs> Back to the future, yep. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what, what I need is that is that almanac right there. And uh, it's just, you, you, you got to be really picky about it, though. You got to, you know, the, oh, well, you know, I just know these games, right? So it's like, you know, if you yeah. only did, like, Auburn games, and you're like, I just know Auburn. And you're like, Auburn's going to beat Alabama in 2013. Like, you crazy. Like, no, no, no. Auburn's going to beat Alabama, right? And then, of course, Auburn beats Alabama. And you look you, you look like a Cheshire cat. And then you got, what was it, 2011 y'all won your national title? Or was that 2010? That was a 10 season, but it happened in the year 2011. Right. So, right for the 2010 season, you're like, Man, let me put down ten grand and Auburn with an actual title. Brian, you crazy? Nah, I really like this new quarterback. I think he's gonna be all right. You know what? Let me get a thousand dollars on Cam Newton win the Heisman. How much money do you have right now? Can you imagine that? Yeah, and I'm people and I'm just think you, you are crazy. I'm, I'm doing, 
Yeah, I know. Auburn's going to – and then you know what? In 2013 when Auburn beats Alabama, the score is going to be tied for one second left. So I'm going to bet for a uh, $10 billion to one, $10 trillion to one odds that they're going to run a, a missed kick back 109 yards for a touchdown to win the game. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't even give you odds. I would have never even given you odds. I would have been like, nope, nope, nope. What did you say? Auburn's going to win the game on a play as time expires? I'm not – go to Caesars. I'm not giving you odds. Exactly. But I was going to give you a Stidham update from some people Mm -hmm. in the program. And, again, you can't – nobody outside really knows. But what I've heard about Stidham, this is coming from a coach. He gets better every day. Like, he has come to practice, come to work every day, and the guy, he doesn't get down on his mistakes. He doesn't beat himself up. He's a leader, but he gets better, Jonathan, every day at picking up the offense and running it. So, Sean White sitting on the bench hurt. Um, It's looking good for Auburn, and they're using their running backs a lot out of the backfield to catch the ball now in this new offense. And I think Auburn is that wild card right now. You have to put them as – one of the favorites in the SEC to make the playoff just because they have a quarterback and you know what's coming back on this team. If Stidham pans out, Auburn could be looking pretty, my friend. But I was going to give you that update. Have you heard anything on Florida State? Um, yeah, actually I have. Uh, Cam Akers, um, the running back we got out of Mississippi, looks just as good as as advertised. Uh, Joshua Kane, though. How how much did y'all pay him? How much did y'all pay him? Uh, You see, now, we actually didn't have to pay him because Ole Miss was going to pay him, but he actually wanted to win (laughs) football games that mattered. That that, that was his his way of payment. Was Jimbo said, you see these championships? You see this this championship ring right here? It'll look nice, don't it? You see this one? It's called a conference championship. Um, you actually have to win a division to play for those. Have you done? Has Ole Miss ever done that? No. Yeah. No. So if you want to come win football games, you call us. If not, you know where you can find me. Um. So Cam, Cam looks good. Kando looks good. Uh, Derwin James is healthy again. Um, I know Tavares McFadden had a solar injury. I think he led the nation in interceptions last year. Uh, but he's going to be back for the season. Um, you know, I'm I'm waiting for updates on Francois to see if he got better at being accurate. Because, you know, there was that video that circulated for a little while of him throwing the football over the Pike House, uh, which is the biggest sorority house in Ty- or fraternity house, excuse me, in Tallahassee. <laughs> Uh, he threw a football over it, and that that was like a big deal. And my only thought was, yeah, but did it land where you wanted it to? Because if not, we got to work on your accuracy. We got to set up some garbage cans, some nets. Because kid, if you ain't more, if if your accuracy does not improve, I, I'm I'm a head by the wall. Like, come on, man. Like, really? But for the most part, everything sounds good, Jimbo isn't as excited about this team as he was last year's team. And I think that was because last year's team burned him. Um, I, it happens. You know, we, I, it happens. Yeah. We, we, we got to wait and see for, for more information. But as of right now, everybody is, is content with what's going on in Tallahassee. 
And that's that's why I said if Stidham does what he's supposed to do. If I didn't say when he does it. Right. You know, I just you just have to manage your expectations. You know, like after Cam left, Auburn fans thought they were going to win another championship. They didn't realize that you lost your entire offensive line, your team, and, you know, you got a new quarterback coming in, Kyle Frazier. Yes, he's the next Cam Newton or something. No, he's not. I mean, he wasn't. He sucked. Jeremy Johnson sucked. So you just have to wait until they get there and see what they look like on the field before you can make any kind of judgment on a new player. I don't care where he played before. I don't care how he looks in practice. I don't care how he looked in the spring. Until I see him on the field, Jonathan, throwing the football in a live game to the, to my team and not the other team, I'm just going to kind of manage my expectations a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, it's funny. The only time I didn't go into a season – going, well, we're going to have to wait and see on the quarterback was Jameis. And I, I guess I guess that was just luck, pure luck. That I was like, I really like this and guy. I, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I honestly feel that way about Stidham, too, but I don't want to really say it too much. But I feel that same way about Cam, too. I was told by several people this guy's going to be amazing. Didn't know he was going to win Heisman, but you kind of know, don't you? Sometimes right. you just know. Yeah, I mean, so when Francois, in his first game against Ole Miss, when he connected on a touchdown pass right before halftime, you're like, okay, this kid's good. When Jameis came out against Pitt and threw more touchdowns and incompletions, if I'm not mistaken, that's when you were like, and that's yeah. when I, as I at least went, oh, God, what do we have here? And then when he barbed up Maryland and had that Houdini play where somehow he gets away from the defensive end and hits O'Leary in the end zone, that was when I think everybody went, A, we're going to win the Heisman, B, we're playing for the national championship. We're going to be in the title game. We're going to play Bama. We're going to get Bama. We want Bama. Uh, you know, we, nobody was worried about Clemson after that. And we're going to beat Clemson. We're going to beat Miami. We're going to beat Florida. We're going to beat whoever. We're going to win the next championship game. And, of course, y'all had to go ahead and spoil us playing Bama. The one time we actually wanted Bama, we couldn't get them because some pulled-up team from Auburn, Alabama, had messed it up. But, you know, this, I, 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 back on topic, um, you just have a field with quarterbacks. And you can – I honestly think you can really tell the difference between one that's going to be good and one that's going to be great. I think there it, it's not necessarily anything that is quantifiable, but you can tell, you know? Yeah, yeah, you can tell. I mean, Jameis, look what he did. I mean, against Clemson, it really woke me up, too. You know, Pittsburgh, I really didn't take much of notice of that because it was Pitt. But still, it was a great game on the road, I believe. They played opening up the season, but – you know, that last drive against Auburn. I mean, even to be down 21-3 to against Auburn and to be able to lead your team back to win, that's, that takes a special type of player. Only people can do that, like Cam, down 24 to nothing on the road in Tuscaloosa, probably against the best yeah, Alabama absolutely. team they've ever had. They've ever had. That was the best Alabama team they, they've ever had in Tuscaloosa. And You're, you remember Alabama played – Six straight games against teams on bye weeks that year. Yeah, they were beat to hell in that too. By the time they played, they, us. they had the schedule from hell. They got 
They had to go to South Carolina when South Carolina actually had a decent team. And South Carolina was coming off a of bye week. And you were like, there's no way Alabama's going to win this game. And it would be, oh, well, it's Alabama. They're going to win. You're like, there's no way they're going to win this game. None. This is the third week in a row they played a team coming off a of bye week. It's on the road. South Carolina is actually a competent team this year. There's no way they're going to win. And South Carolina kind of just punked them. And then when they got to that Auburn game at the end of the year, you I, I don't know about you, but me and a lot of people on there were like, Alabama's going to win this game just because. Like, Auburn's just – Alabama was there's favored no by way. six. Yeah, see, I was like, there's no way Auburn's going to win because they're, they're snake bit. And somewhat, somewhat during the year, I was like, Auburn's going to lose a the game they shouldn't lose, and they're going to drop down because that 2004 team stuck in my head. The one that that should have played for a national championship, or for some reason got left to go to the Sugar Bowl, um, mm-hmm. that team sticks in my head. Whenever I think, whenever you know, up until Cam Newton's title, I'm like, no, there's no way, there's no way they're Auburn won't play for a national championship. They're they're never going to get the opportunity. What if, what if my grandfather called it the curse of Terry Bowden? If you never chased Terry Bowden out, that you guys would win more titles. Yeah, and but you know, I mean, even had we lost that game in 2010 to Alabama, we'd still play for the national championship that to win the SEC. That was the beauty of it. Yeah, probably. But yeah, it's kind of sweeter though. That showed you how good Alabama. That showed you how good Alabama was, right? They're a two or they a three loss, a two loss team at home playing against undefeated Auburn with a chance to go to the national championship on the line. And they're favored six. No, they're not underdogs who are favored. They're favored six. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. That shows you how much talent Alabama had on that team. And um, it just – that game, honestly, always looked fishy to me anyway. I don't know. It's, when you watch it, it still doesn't look real sometimes. Um, but the SEC got their team in. And uh, that's all that matters. I'm happy for it. So that season, we won a championship. We beat a rival. We beat Clemson that year. We beat South Carolina twice, 56 to 17 to be exact, the last one. So I was happy. I was happy. I was rooting well, for Jonathan, Alabama. Man, oh, I know. You're a hater. <laughs> well, buddy, I've got to go get some lunch for the family. i got to go get some lunch for the family. But uh, we'll try to see if we can get something, at least an hour tomorrow night, to review all these if you got time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Florida State plays tonight, so tomorrow night's just uh, house money. All right, buddy. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening to us. Jonathan, put that $1,000 in the mail for the fine, and we'll be good. <laughs> All right, Bubba. All right, see you, buddy. All right, Bubba. All right, y'all.